0: We have made it to the final session of the conference and as we are approaching this final session it is my privilege to um, to introduce Micah Sandovich who is going to uh, be speaking on holiness and corporate worship. Unfortunately Micah is one of the guys on the forum I haven't got to spend a whole lot of time with so I don't have you know nice fancy personal things to tell you but what I can tell you is that that I'm excited to hear what Micah has to say. He loves the Lord. You've seen him leading us in worship, so this is an area that's particularly near and dear to his heart. So if you would, let's uh, let's welcome Micah as he comes to speak. Thank you, brother. Let's see, should I take this out? You got to pull it hard. Well, congratulations on making it this far. You have done, you have done well. It's been a great day together. Uh, turn your Bibles back to Hebrews 10. If you would, we are going to go uh, deeper into uh, verses 24 and 25 in our final time together. And so I have the, the privilege to speak on a topic that is very appropriate for us to close with. As we leave here today and we go back to our churches tomorrow morning, we must consider the issue of holiness in our corporate worship. This is a text we've already read briefly. It's one that you know well, uh, and it's one that was very important for us to cling to uh, during the months and year or so of 2020, when we saw the government coming to challenge us meeting together uh, and using covid as a a tool to try and restrict religious liberty Uh, but today we are going to look at it uh, with a different angle we want to look at it in order to see how god has ordained the sunday gathering to grow us in holiness and so let's read these verses together once again and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near lord we thank you for your word this morning i thank you for these brothers and sisters in christ that love your word that love you that desire to grow in holiness, desire uh, to walk in the works, the good works, the sanctification that you have for us. We ask in our final time today that you would open our minds, our hearts, that you would make us attentive uh, to your holy and inerrant word. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your work. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Put yourself in this position. It is 9.05. Sunday morning, and you are late to church again. And this has been a common struggle for you lately. You woke the family up early. You made sure that the kids are dressed appropriately. You inhaled some cereal, and you forced the dog to go outside. It seems like everybody is ready to go, but as soon as you get in the car or the van, you realize, oh, no, I forgot to get gas yesterday, so I've got to stop on the way and put gas in the car. Once you arrived at church, you found it difficult to find a seat because everyone was already singing. When you finally find a seat, you half-heartedly sing along, but you're more concerned about making sure that the children aren't bickering with one another. When the singing is over, you plop down in your seat. You're just happy to rest for a moment. But that rest soon turns to sleepiness, and you struggle to stay awake through the sermon. The final song, as you're called to stand, the final song, it jars you awake. But as soon as the pastor pronounces the benediction, you are quickly out those doors because you got to get home to have lunch. you got to get home to let the dog back out. you got to get home to feed the children so they can take naps. And you, of course, have to watch football or golf and slowly fall asleep yourself. And so in moments like this, you know that church is important. You know it is. But you start to have thoughts creep into your head. Thoughts like is it really worth going to church on Sunday? It just seems like a struggle. Wouldn't it be easier to stay home and watch my favorite pastor online? Well, we live in an age where everything can be delivered to our door, can it? Everything can be streamed on a multitude of devices. And this includes a myriad of church services broadcasted from all over the world. Pastor Andy Stanley, he infamously said in 2020, in response to criticism for keeping his church closed, he said this, quote, I keep hearing people say over and over, the Lord commanded us to meet. The Lord commands us to meet. He does not, end quote. In recent years, there have been attacks on God's clear commands in the New Testament to faithfully meet together on the Lord's Day. And this, combined with the advent of streaming digital content into our homes, has led to a redefinition of what it means to attend church. Recent polls have shown us that church attendance continues to decline, while the desire to stay at home and watch services online, continues to grow. And this shows us that the American church loves comfort, loves ease, rather than the hard but good work that it is to be a faithful member of a church, to be a committed, submitted member of the local church. Brothers and sisters, we must be aware that this kind of thinking is severely detrimental to our holiness, to our growth in the Lord. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, through 13, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's word is clear. He desires for all believers to grow into maturity, building up the body of Christ along the way. And this cannot happen without being committed, submitted members of a local church, faithfully meeting together week by week, month by month, year by year. One of the means of grace, or another way to put it, God's ways to sanctify us, is by meeting together as faithful members of a local church. Hebrews 10, our passage, tells us that by meeting together, and Josh hit on this a little bit for us, by meeting together, we stir up one another to love and good works. And so, what we want to talk about for our remaining time is how is this accomplished? Well, succinctly put, this is accomplished by making sure that our Sunday gatherings are governed solely by God's Word. And our Lord, he prescribes five elements that must be included in our corporate worship on Sundays. And then two additional elements that are a result of us doing these five things. We'll go through them in Look at the scriptures and then see how each of these things affects us personally. So first, we're commanded to read God's word. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Number two, praying God's word. We see this in Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 is a foundational verse that shows us what the early church was involved in it says and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers also in Acts 6 4 the apostles said but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word and then very specifically in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul again says, First of all, I, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We have the reading of God's Word. We have the praying of God's word. Next we have the singing of God's word. Colossians 3:16, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God." We see this also repeated in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. Next, very importantly, we have the preaching of God's word. 1st Timothy 4 13 we have already read another passage is 2nd Timothy 4 1 and 2 Paul says preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching and the next we are to see God's word through the ordinances two ordinances we have baptism Commanded in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Then we have Acts two. We've already looked at forty two, but the previous verse forty one says this. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We see God's work uh, through baptism and also communion. Of course, we're commanded to to do that. You know this by our Lord in Luke 22 and other passages. Also in Acts 2.42, again, we see the church practice communion. And then Paul repeating this command in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. Those are the five main elements. And then we have two additional elements that come out of us doing these things. The sixth is fellowship around God's word. We see that in Acts 2.42, Philippians 2, 1 and 2, and then very specifically in 1 John chapter 1, 6 and 7 where John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So there's natural fellowship as brothers and sisters that come out of us being obedient to God in these things. And the seventh thing that we see is giving according to God's word. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 Paul says on the first day of every week. He's speaking about the Sunday gathering here. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And then, of course, the whole chapter of 2 Corinthians 9 addresses our attitude of giving in the church. And you can go and read that in your own time. So as our Sunday gatherings are saturated in God's word, this leads to the body of Christ building one another up, stirring up one another to love and good works, and growing together in holiness. And you'll notice that these elements are not flashy, They are not for the purpose of entertainment. They contain no rock bands, no movies, no drama productions. The Lord did not ordain these elements to give us an emotional high each week or a mountaintop experience. He gave us these simple, ordinary things in order that week by week we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. They're often called the ordinary means of grace because they are simple There are daily, weekly, monthly things that we walk in consistently. And as we do that, the Lord is faithful to grow us in holiness. He gave us these things in his love for us so that we can faithfully run the race, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We know that our sanctification is a lifelong process. It is a work that he will faithfully complete as we are obedient to the ordinary means of grace. At our church, we're very thankful for, and I know many of you are as well, we're thankful for G3 Ministries. And Scott Aniel, he's one of the directors of G3. He's also a professor at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. He writes this, quote, the goal of covenant renewal worship is discipleship, building up the body. And he takes that from 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Every aspect of the service is chosen not for how it will give authentic expression to the worshipers or give them an experience of God's presence, but rather how it will build them up, maturing them by the word of God, end quote. So each of these elements play a role for our growth in holiness. Let's look at each of these. How do these affect us personally? Well, as we read God's word, we read it knowing that every part of it is profitable for us, that we may be complete, trained up in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3. As we pray to the Lord, we do so as the called out ones, those who are chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight, Ephesians 1.4. We pray and we commune to the Lord because he has commanded us to do so. And in his amazing providence and sovereignty, even though we don't understand how all of it works, he uses our prayers to accomplish his good will. As we sing God's word, we sing together corporately, together with one voice glorifying our Heavenly Father. We sing not only to our Savior, but we sing to one another. And by doing so, we acknowledge that we are equal in our sin, yet equally grateful for so great a salvation that has been bestowed upon us. And we sing, asking the Holy Spirit to grow us in holiness. Uh, At the end, as we have a closing song, we're going to sing all praise to him. And in the third verse, it says this, All praise to him whose power imparts the love of God within our hearts, the spirit of all truth and peace, the fount of joy and holiness. And so I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, as you sing together, sing with your eyes open. Sing being reminded of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are around you. Remember, as you sing in church and as you come to church, this is not for your personal worship experience with the Lord is we are coming together corporately together as one body. Now, it's not wrong to close your eyes. I close my eyes as I lead from time to time, as as words of the songs are encouraging to me personally. It's not wrong to do that, but generally I believe that we should have our eyes open because we're singing to one another. And as we sing and we're seeing the congregation, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see somebody that's singing with so much joy, Maybe it's a certain hymn or a certain song that you know that person and you know those words are so true in the life of your friend. Maybe they have gone through a very difficult situation recently and yet they're singing the words of the gospel. Trusting in the Lord. And so as you watch them sing and as you sing along, you're encouraged because you know God is working in them. Sing with our eyes open. But as God's word is faithfully preached, we know that his word has power. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 explains this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Holy Spirit working through his word reminds us of our sin, reminds us of God's God's perfect holiness reminds us of our redemption through Jesus Christ and gives us the desire and ability to walk in holiness in all areas of life. As we come to the ordinances, in the ordinances they give us a visual representation of God's holiness. In baptism, we see the picture of our sin being put to death in Christ and we rise from the water to walk in newness of life, to walk in holiness. As we come to the Lord's table, we eat and drink, looking forward to the day when our sanctification will be complete, when we will be glorified, when we will be perfectly holy, and we will eat in the presence of God himself. As we fellowship together on Sundays, and not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, We do so not to talk about the weather or the latest movies. Of course, it's not wrong to talk about those things, but it's much deeper than that. We fellowship to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, to build one another up in holiness. This comes out so clearly in how Paul began the book of Romans. In verse 11 of chapter 1, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And then finally, as we give according to God's word. We contribute to the needs of the saints. We support the pastors and ministries of the church. We support missionaries, all for the purpose of seeing God's glory spread around the world, to see His holy church go forth in the Holy Spirit's power. And this is where a term called the regulative principle comes in. What is the regulative principle, you may ask? Well, it grew out of the Reformation. It was a return to the authority of God's word as we meet together on Sundays in the Sunday gathering. The regulative principle says that we will only do what God has commanded us to do in our gatherings. And this was in contrast to the Catholic Church, who had overcomplicated, overconfused, and desecrated the Sunday gathering by adding rituals like lighting candles venerating images, adding elements like the sign of the cross and a re-sacrifice of Christ through the Eucharist by adding special clothes, the smells, the bells, and worship of saints. And so the Reformers came in, and they removed these added elements, and they found freedom in only worshiping God in the way that he had prescribed. And so that's the regulative principle But there's also the inventive principle. The inventive principle says that we can do anything in worship on Sundays that we might imagine. And so this leads to pastors playing Super Mario in front of their congregation and calling it a sermon. This leads to pastors flying into the pulpit on a zip line or watching a movie and calling that church. The principle leads to outrageous stuff. And the third principle is the normative principle. It's a little bit of the halfway in between. That says that as long as God has not expressly forbid something, then we can include it in our worship gatherings. And so uh, denominations like the Anglicans and the Lutherans hold to this. And so they got rid of some of the worst elements of the Catholic Church, but they retained and kept some of the things that they found helpful even though those things were not commanded by the lord and in the new testament and so in considering these three views the inventive the normative and the regulative the regulative is the best way to go because we know for sure that these things honor the lord he has commanded us to include them and he has promised to grow us in holiness through them. There is no promise for you to grow in holiness if you watch a movie in church and then you try to figure out the spiritual parts of it. Not at all. But holding to the regular principle also shows our humility to the Lord. Because we submit to Him. We submit to His Word in our worship. And it's also very freeing because we do not have to think up, oh, what's the next best thing that we have to include i heard that they're doing this in california you know everything starts in california so we got to make sure that we've got to be the first church here in florida to adapt what they're doing out there how tiring must that be what's the next exciting trend that we need to have in order to draw people in no our services do not cater to unbelievers they are designed by God for the growth of believers. And of course, we want unbelievers to be in our churches. But the Holy Spirit is faithful to draw people, not because of flashy things. The Holy Spirit draws people through the power of God's word and not through any clever ideas, schemes, or anything else. So all of these elements that God has prescribed They contribute to our personal holiness and to the overall holiness of Jesus' church. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, this has also been mentioned briefly today, that Jesus' desire for the church is that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish our Savior is supremely concerned with the holiness of His church. Jesus loves His church. He has given Himself up for her. And so to those who would remove themselves from a local church or refuse to go to one to begin with because they, quote, love Jesus but not the church, are at best very weak Christians, very misguided, or at worst, they are not saved at all. Those who love Jesus will love his church and be committed to it because we know that the simple, ordinary means that he has prescribed is what will grow us in holiness. God's will for the church, God's will for all believers is for our sanctification, to grow in holiness. And one of the good things that he has given us is the local church that's led by biblically qualified elders and deacons who will be faithful to equip the believers in the work of ministry. And my prayer is that for us, is that true believers will reject the showy, entertainment-driven style of church and return to to the simple, biblically faithful design that God has given us in his word. When we do, like I've already said, he promises to grow us. We know that when God promises something that's gonna happen, God is always faithful in those promises. He promises to complete the work in us, and we, in turn, will have a strong desire to stir up one another to love and good works, all to the glory of God alone. And so, friends, may I encourage you, whether you are a member of this church or you are a member of one of the other churches represented here, that you, out of a love for the Lord, will be fired up because of today. And you will have a new commitment to your church to be committed to it, to be submitted to it. That you will be praying and coming to the Lord and say, Lord, please, grow in me humility. Grow in me a desire to love my church, to serve in any way I can, knowing that as I do, I am in helping to stir up my brothers and sisters in Christ to love and good works when we are faithful to do these simple things, friends, we will be amazed at what God will do among us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We love you because you have first loved us. And we sit here this morning, lo- Lord, as those who are unworthy for these things. For th- uh, as those who have no right to draw near your throne. Lord, you justly could have left us in our sin and given us your eternal wrath. But because of your great grace, you have called us out of our sin, made us new creatures in Christ, given us a new name, new desires, new love, new direction, new focus. But Lord, we know that This cannot be accomplished in our lives without the local church. And so I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here, for these faithful churches in the Bradenton and Sarasota areas, Lord. It's encouraging to see. We can be discouraged by many things that we see happening in the churches in our country, in different events that are happening around the world. But help us with that, Lord. Help us to remember that you are the one who builds this church. You will not forsake your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You will be faithful to build your church. And so with that in our minds, with this hope and with this confidence that we have, may we in turn be faithful in how you've called us to serve and to contribute to the holiness of your church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.